What happened to the forerunners? I wondered who the prophets would send to silence me. Chief, we don't have much time. I'm flattered. And the Bastard Truth, let us begin. Hello and welcome to the Bastard Truth. I'm your host Brent, and today I'm joined by Daphlink117 and Allie, brother of Boy. Uh, say hello, guys. Hello. How's it going, guys? So, we wrapped up last week with Daps and my conversation regarding the missions that take place on Meridian, Unconfirmed Evacuation, and Reunion, which takes place on Genesis. Introducing Cortana back to Blue Team and Blue Team to a foreigner world and what seems to be a satellite to the domain. Today, we'll dig into the Sanghelios campaign, all of the missions Swords of Sanghelios, Alliance, Enemy Lines, Before the Storm, and the Battle of Sunion. Most of these missions take place with Thelvadam, the Arbiter, and Team Osiris, including Agent Locke and the others, as well as Olympia Vale, really shining as a translator for Sanghili into humanity. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on these missions overall, these four? Um, what are my thoughts? Finally get to see the Elite Homeworld in a video game. That's exciting for, I mean, you know, you want to see a little bit of what the humanity is the uh I mean, humanity is possibly the strongest now, uh, barring the forerunners. But um, we still, we still have yet to real. The Sangheili have still yet to feel really comfortable with humanity's presence on their planet. So, seeing this in you know from a lore perspective, it's important what it means, and just seeing it from a player's perspective. Um, it's a beautiful environment to play around in. Yeah, without a doubt. I, I think it's interesting. I think it really lends itself to the idea that the Sangheli are, you know, uh, soaring in nature. They're very lizard-like, or reptilian might be a better word. And it's it's a very warm place. It's very, it's very dry. Uh, very arid. Yeah, very arid. It's, it's desert. It's a lot like the Middle East, I think, is a lot of the uh, influence they might have pulled from here. I mean, you still have, there's water, and there's this, you know, oasis, seemingly abundance of life, but it's still very arid and dry, and I think that lends a lot to the nature of the St. Haley overall. The Middle East, wall political undertones, you decide. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, yeah, like the political undertones between the Covenant and the Swords of St. Helios, for sure. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Hmm. wonder if there's more to that. Right off the bat, we get Maki Shava, which I'm sure I'm butchering. Uh, Ali, do you have a better do you have a better way of saying that? No. Yeah, I, it's it's tough. I'm not the best in. I'm, not, I'm no Olympia Vale here. 
but it is noted that she is a female Singhali within the ranks of the Arbiter. I, I believe Olympia Vale herself points this out to Agent Locke, and he kind of agrees it seems like a, a sign, uh, like a changing of the times, especially for any Singhali culture where women, although in a seat of power from in within Singhali keeps, have never really held any roles of combat. Uh, and here's this example of Makishava uh, dropping Osiris down onto San Helios and kind of acting as their liaison as they head towards the Arbiter's aid. I think it's also important to note that so far all signs, and Ellie pointed out maybe just the one sign of her being the first Sanghali introduced to us within a game, female Sanghali introduced to us within a game, she's most likely the character present on the Shadow of Intent novel coming out this year, right? It comes out in December? That's right. You want to start off with the very first mission in this series of missions? Yeah, Swords of Sanghalios, the self-titled, referring to the alliance that the Arbiter has since created on Sanghalios and kind of throughout Covenant space, uh, including mostly Ungoy and Sanghali, and that's seemingly alone. We know that they're from previous novels like Glasslands, I believe it was, that Hirohane work in a form of indentured servitude for the Sanghali, but I wouldn't say they're taking up any combat roles. We do get to see later on in Alliance and Before the Storm that the Ungoy and the Sanghili kind of, they, they share a relationship with each other that I think empowers the Ungoy more than we've ever seen before in any of the games or novelizations. Uh, I think maybe only at the beginning of Contact Harvest do we see an Ungoy respected at all and he's... He's already in a position of power given to him by the Covenant. Uh, Deacon, is that right? I believe so. Uh, you're, I think you're right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so not really since then, and I think it does a lot to characterize the Ungoy overall. I mean, they've always been held in our eyes as like cute and bumbling and fumbling about and in other ways just purely cannon fodder and insulting here we get kind of up close and personal with them and i have to commend what they did i'm kind of moving ahead here to alliance because swords of Helios is mostly um just a shoot em up level it's kind of get the point a to point b uh it doesn't do a whole lot to push the story forward until you actually do come to the arbiter's aid and uh, align yourself and it's kind of I won't, I won't say the first time, because obviously the Arbiter aligned himself with the Master Chief, but it's the first time that we have this military conflict that is shared by at least a fire team from the UNSC, and then eventually Commander Palmer comes as well, uh, and Sanghelios, Swords of Sanghelios. And I think that's a big moment. We get a little bit of that just prior to the Swords of Sanghelios mission and the cutscene leading up to it, where Vale is kind of digging in on Agent Locke and asking him, you know, you had suggested that the Arbiter should be assassinated. And, you know, at the time when he when he creates this dossier on the Arbiter, the Arbiter had indeed killed billions of people as a shipmaster at the time. And we know, you know, we know of his shipmaster background. We know that he was highly regarded within the Covenant and widely feared for humanity. Uh, and it's funny he notes just how much can change with time. 
and I think he just says things change, and there's a you know seemingly ten foot tall Sangheili walking alongside little Captain Lasky uh, aboard the Infinity, and I think it's a very, it's a very striking scene. It does show just how much has changed. Uh, it's almost hard to believe, but it is believable that twenty five years of war can be kind of put aside for the greater goal and the greater good. Uh, but moving back to Alliance, this is another one of those RPG walk-around type talk missions. There's a lot of great little dialogue, there's a lot of intel pads and stuff that could be found on these missions. And if you hang around long enough, I mean, I don't know, Daft, how much time you spent playing this mission did you... Um, funny thing is when I played it, I actually mostly uh, spent it just walking around and hopping on ledges, like looking for intel and skulls. I honestly didn't really like pay that much attention to the dialogue other than the story stuff, and wasn't it just like, it was just Halsey talking about, I, I don't even remember, I apologize. No, yeah, she, it's just prior to enemy lines, and they need you to, she needs Team Osiris to head into a foreigner construct to retrieve a builder, if I'm not mistaken, which is a, a builder AI. I forget what... Yeah, a constructor. Familiar. A constructor, there you go. A constructor, yeah. And uh, just before this, she kind of gives you that, and then you have to go meet up with Commander Palmer, and she'll take you there, and uh, in the next mission, Enemy Lines, you fight a Kraken. Uh, but on this mission, specifically Alliance, you have the lovable grunt that just talks the ear off of uh, Sangheili, and you have the love poem for Commander Palmer, stuff that's been showing up on Reddit lately. Were you guys able to find that stuff pretty easily, or...? No, I, I didn't even know about this poem. That sounds kind of funny, actually. I made a big deal about it with you, Allie. Uh, I think, like, that moment saying, like, RPG Halo confirmed, saying Halo cross-human relationships, uh, inter interzenal relationships. I definitely don't want that in any <laughs> Halo game that I play. That'd be bizarre. Uh, That'd be, like, getting into, like, total, like, we weirdness, like, territory. Mass Effect territory. Yeah, no, nobody I cannot... wants that in Halo. <laughs> I do. I don't I mind uh, what we've seen in Mass Effect, but uh, the 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 years of war that have passed between Sangheili and Human, I don't think there could be any sort of really input. I mean, yeah, I, I don't I don't see how Sangheili would find puny humans to be terribly attractive. But uh, putting that aside, on when I did play that um, non-combat mission, um, unfortunately, the, uh, the time that I played it, I did rush through it, and that was um, well, I didn't rush through it, but um, I actually no, I, I did spend a little bit of time. I only found one dialogue prompt with a Sangheili that was initiated by a button. I guess the other ones were proximity. Uh, they were uh, initiated by proximity, but uh, the one asking about the um, and there's a guy, uh, there's one Sangheili repairing a Banshee's engine, and another one sitting on the engine, and uh, Locke can say to him, uh, "Do you think it's the anti gravity drive?" He'll say it's not that human, and I thought maybe you you might you know you might have to search for something, a component, bring it back to him. And then his dialogue will change. I could never find any component if that is what we were supposed to find. Yeah, I spend a great deal of time on that. Well, first, I would like to mention that love is a battlefield alley. 
love is a battlefield. So 25 years oh, of war can be put aside for Commander Palmer in shining armor. But that, well, I mean, that is... Commander is not the average human, so... You know, it's oh, true, yeah, man, yeah, she's yeah pretty... man, mandibles are so hot, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah, it's like, it'd be, yeah, it's like being kissed like... four times. At once. I don't know, Garrus uh, was better looking than uh, Elite was, so... He, so, even him... But anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, enough, I no, guess. I spent a great deal of time uh, with the, yeah the Banshee mechanics too, and I just kept clicking the prompt, expecting his dialogue to change, but it never does. And I did do a little bit of looking, and it's got to be somewhere. There has to be something. It just seems a little off because all of the other, so far in my experience, the the other dialogue with characters that's interactable, uh, interactive. Sorry, interactable. I don't think that's a word. Interactive. If you click it long enough, eventually something happens, something changes. Uh, any of the, like the soda machines uh, that we talked about earlier on with uh, soccer balls, stuff like that. A lot of these yeah. Easter eggs, it eventually does something. You just have to kind of persevere. I must have clicked on that button for at least five minutes. Uh, I don't even know how many times a minute that it had to have been. Uh, hundreds of hundreds of times, and it never changed until I finally went looking a little bit. And honestly, I didn't look hard enough, but it, there's got to be something else there. Um, I don't think I checked back on them in the next walk around on that area before the storm. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that they're even there, but maybe that's a case where it changes. Oh, good point. Yeah. We'll have to get back in there and dig around for sure. Uh, Daft, you should definitely spend more time in this area. There's a lot of neat little stuff. I'm sure I'll go back for it for skulls and intel. I'm sure if I'm there, maybe I'll check out this poem thing and I... Other stuff. Yeah. Commander Palmer in shining armor. Yeah, let's just, let's just keep it as a joke, but uh, I'm not take that anywhere else. <laughs> I'm going to apologize. I'm getting a, a lot of hail over here on my end, so you might start hearing that pop up in the mic. Uh, maybe followed by some lightning, so we'll see if it's bad or not. But if it is, I'll edit this. All right, you guys want to move forward to enemy lines? Yeah. Yippee. Um. Oh, I did want to note though. Yeah. Um. Even though, uh, you know, this is some. Um, I mean, we have seen uh Lord Hood intervene in a what was before a previously an intra covenant matter. Um. I think in one of the novels, in one of Karen Travis's novels, I think, or maybe it was one of the comics. Um, but again, here, the UNSC's involvement is limited. It should be noted it's Commander Palmer, Dr. Halsey, uh, and Fireteam Osiris, and maybe the UNSC Infinity if things go really sour, but they didn't. So, um, it wasn't, it wasn't some, um, I mean, Lasky himself makes a note that this can't be, you know, not too many, uh, can know about this. And it has to be kept down low. And I think the Arbiter likes it uh, that way as well. Not too much human interference. But uh, if you, you know, you send the right people to do the uh, job, right people in the right place, that's what I think the Arbiter would want. And I don't think he'd want something like a ground invasion. That might uh, offend too many of his allies. No, yeah, I agree. I thought, I thought you yeah, were yeah, no, no boots on the ground. Yeah. Know, wink, wink. Yeah. It's like a step too far. 
yeah, I think it's okay to intervene when it's, you know, disputed space or on a human colony or even a Sangheili colony because maybe the land is still up for grabs. But, yeah, I think the home world, I think that's, it's pushing the limit and I don't think humanity would want necessarily a whole lot of Sangheili, if any, on Earth. Uh, somebody else brought up a good point earlier this week is Olympia Vale, she mentions uh, towards the, I think it's at the end of Swords of St. Helios that the Arbiter talks one-on-one with Agent Locke, and is it, when does he mention his reverence for the Chief? Is it this mission, or is it the next one? Uh, what do you mean, uh, who the Arbiter mentions? Yeah, I I believe he says uh, to give the Chief his regards. That's at the, um, I think in the middle or near the end of Battle of Sunayan. Uh, yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. So not not in enemy lines or in um, Swords of St. Helios. And these missions are all folding together in my mind. <laughs> Maybe should have done a little, little more written work beforehand. Uh, but regardless... Arb- well, he says that because they're about to, they're going to soon board the Guardian, right. so that's why he he lets him know. That's why he says it. So if in the future you're thinking about when he says it, that's uh, in relation to the Guardian, and that would only be at Sunayan. Right, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, stuff's just folding up in my mind. Vale has a strong part throughout all these missions, so her dialogue with Locke over comms and chatter is it just blends in uh we get a lot from buck too he he mentions at one point it's kind of a heartfelt moment that when they come across when timo cyrus comes across some dead swords of saint helios uh foot soldiers uh i think bunk mentioned something along the lines of as far as i'm concerned uh we're on the same these dead are our brothers yeah these are our brothers uh because at this moment the Swords of St. Helios and the UNSC are aligned for the same goals, and I, I think that kind of shows a willingness on humanities and uh, not just to get stuff done together, but for a greater peace and kind of a greater alliance overall, which I, I think we're going to see uh, in the media coming in the next few years, and most certainly probably for Halo 6. Uh, we don't get a whole awful lot of it here, but we do get, again, some touch-felt moments. Uh, between humans and Sanghaley, kind of involving a greater alliance or a, a willingness towards peace. I think you get less of it when you're dealing with the Sanghaley. Um, yeah, they're they're a bit hard up on. They they. I mean, I don't know how they. They're not feeling a hundred percent. Uh, well, I don't think humanity's feeling 100% about it either, but uh, it's growing pains in terms of the the relationship. It'll improve, yeah. probably, unless unless um, you know unless something happens that could sour it. Like um, I just want to mention uh, the Shadow of Intent, for example, in a catalog catalog noted that um, the Shadow of Intent destroyed three Oni Prowlers, or at least three Oni Prowlers were destroyed while trailing the Shadow of Intent, and no further detail was given at that point. So um, if Oni's doing something that 
uh, Shipmaster Vadum is not happy about, that could sour the relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I didn't, that's not a point that I had noted or even read before, but it, I mean, that would put the St. Haley very much in the know about the humanity's involvement with their affairs, uh, at least even kind of on the covert ops side of things. Uh, I mean, this is a very different, this is a mission that doesn't exist, uh, and it's not Agent Locke's first, apparently, but uh, it's very different from just kind of spying on each other. Uh, they're definitely working hand in hand, and you do get, yeah, some grizzled, saying Haley in Alliance and before the storm, uh, anytime you even approach them, they're going to get out of here. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm busy. Go away. Uh, they even treat the Ungoy with a little more reverence than that. So, uh, a little disappointed with the amount of dialogue that you can, you can fetch out of the Arbiter on Alliance. Uh, you kind of just, you can overhear his conversation with other saying Haley, but I don't believe he actually talks to you personally. Uh, I will commend three four three for giving us a sense of scale with these two species, the Angoy and Singhali. Uh, Daft, you might have noticed. I mean, the Singhali are giants. These guys are huge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely, it makes sense. Like as to why, when you're playing any Halo game, when you're playing a Spartan, like it looks like the elite is just like it's up to your up to your height. It looks like he's like a normal uh, person's height, but we forget that the Spartans are so much bigger and taller than, you know, normal people like Marines. Yeah, I, I mean, you see Halsey stand next to a Sanghaley at one point, and it's like, yeah. I mean, even Lasky, like I mentioned earlier, he's dwarfed by uh, the sword soldier, I guess we'll say, uh, aboard the Infinity, and Halsey even more so. Uh, but even... Halsey's... Go ahead. Halsey's dwarfed by every well, not everyone, but I saw Palmer beside Halsey, and her head must have been at least fifty percent larger than Halsey's. Yeah, well, I think it's just because Palmer's like a Spartan, right? No, no, I know, I know. That's because Palmer's a Spartan, but um, this is the Palmer versus Lasky. I didn't see the uh, there was a difference in head size, but not as much as Palmer versus uh, Halsey. People have different shaped heads, Ellie. Uh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I always endeavor to learn more. <laughs> um, well, let's talk about. You bring up something that I I probably would have forgotten about, honestly, because I'm not a I'm not a Palmer hater, and I know you aren't either. Uh, and Daft, I think you're pretty indifferent one way or the other. Uh, actually, I don't like Palmer. I I, I really like. I, I don't know, a lot of the new characters three four three has come up with. I'm not fond of. Like I like Lasky because he's actually like a calm, nice, reasonable person who is sympathetic toward the chief. Usually, most of the time, uh, if not all the time. But I, I don't like Palmer. I think she's she's difficult and um, she's just like a UNSC zombie. Same with Locke, UNSC zombie. They just follow orders. I don't like him at all. I think we'll save that Locke discussion for after these because I don't want to get into it right now. Um, but. I think the Palmer debate of uh, her character is just very flip-floppy, right? She's very wish-washy. Uh, a lot like what's tried to be done with Halsey, but I think we've kind of come out of the Halsey side of things. But it is very strange to me, uh, and at least I, I know, Allie, you'll know what I'm talking about, that Palmer wanted Halsey dead. 
Like, dead, right. dead, dead. And she shot her in the arm, and now Halsey only has one arm. You would think that there would be some amount of resentment between the two, and I don't think... I mean, I think it's a little more than indifferent, but I think they... I don't know. Is, is Palmer constantly around Halsey because she has to be? Because Halsey's a proven traitor, uh, and this and that, and I'm sure to an extent this is the case? Or, I mean, they seem to be kind of chumming it up a little bit. Um, I think, uh, as, well, I, I, I don't know what Escalation has shown us, but I do know that Escalation, um, had Palmer and Halsey interact more after Spartan Ops. So that whatever happened in Escalation, which again, I'm not familiar with, could have changed the nature of their relationship. She continues so, to try to kill her throughout Escalation. But uh, I mean, they do they do come face to face and they talk. There's I know there's a point there's a panel where uh, it, it seems like Palmer doesn't it doesn't have a gun leveled at Halsey, but she's right in her face. She's yelling at Halsey. Um, so they've had a chance to interact further, um, and it may not make that much sense. But maybe you know Palmer is just all business, and so if Halsey is needed now. You know, whatever her previous feelings were, they won't help the situation at hand, so she decides to put them aside. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, these are two humans. It's not like it's her arch nemesis or anything, but I think she might have been made out that way throughout Escalation for the most part. And we, just, we still need one more issue of Escalation to kind of tie things all together. Uh, but yeah, maybe it is all business. Uh, Halsey seems to be the only one who can... Uh, at least she's going to attempt to speak Guardian, quote-unquote. And I think that's the line that, although I appreciate it because it sums up a lot of what, what happens in these next five missions, uh, it just... Palmer smiling around Halsey is an, is an alien sight. And I, think, I thought she was... Sorry, go no, ahead. No, no, go ahead. I thought she was smirking. Like, uh, just she, she said that derisively in my mind. Kind of like, uh, oh, the, look, the at, way look at the smart pants on Halsey, kind of. Yeah, like, um, you know. And I mean, she wasn't deriding Halsey's intelligence. She just, you know, she still didn't like Halsey. So she said it that way, but she didn't, you know, she didn't say it and then give Halsey a shove or anything. Yeah, but she just said it in a way that made it seem like she thought little of Halsey. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could buy that. Now that you mention it, I kind of see it more and more in my mind. Um, I don't know. I like I like this Palmer Halsey connection. It's a weird. I don't know. I don't know. I can go on about it, but I'm not going to. Uh, Daft, do you have anything to add about Palmer? I know you don't like her. Yeah, I don't like her. I just um, I don't think she's a fun character at all. She just is. Uh... I mean, I'm not going to use any rude words, but you know what I mean? I just, I don't, she's not a fun character. She does not seem like a nice, I mean, I don't, she's not supposed to be nice because it's the military, I get that, but I don't know, like, Johnson was a cool guy. Uh, who was the other one? Like, who was the other one? The Faux Hammer was fun. Um, some of the other ones, what was that one, name of that one Marine that, like, was always voiced by that same guy that Bungie had, like, for, like, three games in a row? Chip's you know double. what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 he was a fun guy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, and also Stacker. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Stacker. Yeah, 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 Stacker, yeah, there you go. I believe they're they're still in every game, aren't they? 
Uh, Dumble didn't appear in four, but Marcus Stacker appeared in five. Uh, sorry, in in four, in four. Marcus Stacker appeared in four, but Dumble did not. Huh. And I don't know if either of them have made an appearance in. F- I, wait, do we fight? We don't fight beside. We fight beside colonists. Um, yeah, on Meridian. Yeah. They may not have made an appearance in five. I'm, I'm not sh- too sure. I can't think of a of any place that they would. Yeah, I but anyway, um, that, that I definitely, I definitely goes. think three four three has been swearing, swearing off some of those older uh, Bungie era characters, and they're trying to. I guess they're trying to put their own stamp on it and put in their own characters, but I haven't been overly impressed with the ones they've put in. No, man, what are you talking about? Chip Stubbo and Sergeant Stack are going to come back for the Halo television series directed by Steven Spielberg for Showtime next year. Main characters. Main characters, year. yeah. Definitely. That's cool. That's cool. I wish they would have been on Halo 5. But <laughs> I, was thinking, you know, I keep hearing about the Halo TV series. To me... That's, like, on the same level as, like, the Star Wars TV series that was announced, like, five years ago. Like, where is it? It's, like, in development hell. I don't want to go too far off topic, but they have come out and said that the Halo TV series is in production. Not pre-production, but in production. And I think that the news did was released not too long ago, at least September-ish, where Showtime did get the rights to air it. Um, fairly certain about that. I'm sure we'll get something in my email box about it. Oh, and, and Daft, we were joking about them being the main Yeah, yeah that's not the main plot of that television series, though. That would be great. I wish I, I, I wish they were. That'd be cool. It'd be funny. should also mention that's not an original idea. That's just something that's been floating around the Halo Reddit for quite a while. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, let's move forward here. We get a Kraken fight. The Kraken's cool. It's it's the Scarab from Halo 2 and Halo 5, right? It's just this giant, oh my god, I can't think, you wouldn't think it gets any bigger, but it gets bigger. Uh, Osiris destroys it. They retrieve the Constructor, right? Can, um, can I just make a note of something, though? Yeah, of course. Um, if you look at the color scheme, the pa- uh, color palette of, of the first four missions in the Series of 5, it's not your typical Covenant uh, blue and purple um, in terms of the architecture. And that's because, and Vale makes a note of it, uh, this is pre-Covenant, Sanghaley Ruins. And I think um, even if you didn't pay attention to that, I think 343 really wanted you, or they wanted to give the idea across that this is uh, this is not Covenant. What you're seeing here. Um, because when you get to Sinaion, where the Covenant and the Swords of Sanghelio show down, you get back to the blue and purple. But uh, before that, in the rocky ruins, um, you're not seeing blue and purple, and that's not... I mean, I don't think that's just because it's mostly rocky. It's also it's also to push, you know, to make clear the point that this is pre-Covenant stuff that you're going through, and we're seeing that... Um, think we're seeing pre-covenant a non-forerunner pre-covenant non-forerunner ruins for the first time in a halo video game yeah i think you're right on that and i think it i think it goes a lot to show the symbolism that the sing haley will prosper outside of the covenant because they did before the covenant and i think right 
yeah, I think those missions do a great deal to show that to you. Uh, and I think it does a great deal to make the covenant that is there, the covenant that you fight throughout these missions, feel even more invasive than you are as human beings on the planet, which is, it's an interesting dynamic there. Um, there isn't too much more to say about enemy lines. There isn't a whole lot in Before the Storm. Uh, real quick, before we move towards Battle of Sunion, I will mention that the conversation between the Grunt and the St. Haley sitting on the cliff uh, does poke a lot of fun uh, and potentially answers a lot of questions uh, about the Halo lore. Uh, Allie, do you have any to note that you remember? Um, you guys talked about the Middle East, and I can see some parts of it looking like Jordan, but a lot of it, and I'm not too familiar with either Jordan or this part of the world, but a lot of it reminded me of maybe southwestern United States. Uh, yeah, like Mesas a, and the like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I see that. Well, any, just any desert for the I mean, I think they did a good job of kind of making saying he was really look like his own world. I mean, while it looks similar to parts of Earth, like, like just the way... The way it looks, just all those like ledges, it's all they're kind of like stacked upon each other. I don't think that I don't think anywhere on Earth really looks exactly like that. No, that's a good call. Yeah, it, it does look like almost like plates being stacked on top of each other more than mesas. It's not like a yeah. growing formation with a flat plateau on top. It is very, yeah, it is a cool and it is alien. At least I'm sure there's somewhere in the world that they had to draw inspiration from it, but for the most part, it is very alien and that. You're right, that is commendable of them. Art book might shine more light on that. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Did anybody buy that and get that? What? I, the I, art book, the Halo 5 art book. Oh, no, no. I did, not. I did not. I just grabbed it the other day. Hopefully, it should be coming in a few days, I would imagine. Hopefully. Tell us what you uh, find out about it. Yeah, there's always something in those. I mean, if you're a fan of the lore, it should be it should go noted that the art books themselves <laughs> shine a lot on like potential uh, forthcoming lore and maybe making connections in the past. Although maybe that stuff doesn't make it into the game or make it in the books, you do get a lot of. I mean, there were like a billion designs for the Promethean Knights uh, leading up to Halo Four, and each one I think goes between more robotic and more ancient human uh, in appearance. So you, it just helps. It helps to visualize things for sure. And they're usually a pretty good price, a little under 20 or $30. And it seems like Halo 5s will have the most so far. Halo 4s was a little lackluster uh, compared to some of the ones that they had put out in years prior. But Halo 5 seems like it'll have a hefty amount of art in there. Okay, any any last notes to add uh, about the four missions before Battle of Sunion? Because Sunion itself is a pretty different mission from the rest. Um, oh, this is probably, um, I mean, I've been trying to think of parallels between Halo 5 and Halo 2. Um, I think parallels between Halo 4 and Halo 1 were more obvious, but... Um, so this isn't, and I'm, I guess I'm not doing a really good job of it, but um, at the end of Enemy Lines... You take a forerunner construct and board a phantom. Um, at the end of the Arbiter's first chain of missions in Halo 2, yeah, you take a forerunner construct and you board a phantom. It's true. Um, but those don't take place at the same time in their respective games. So, I mean, the, there isn't, it's not that strong, but um, that part reminded me. 
of doing that. Right. I mean, it's the same. It's the same as the Kraken fight. It's you know, it's not. It's really not a fight at all. <laughs> For one, um, it's a lot like the Scarab. It's this overwhelming. Yeah, it's a lot like Scarab. Yeah, this or, overwhelming, yeah. terrifyingly large thing that's causing damage everywhere it goes, uh, and then you just board it, go inside of its heart, and you know, kill it, and then leave it, and that's the end of that. It's just that easy. I think, having just finished. Uh, the Fall of Reach, the animated film that just came out alongside Halo 5. Uh, there was a line that stuck out that I believe was pulled from the novel itself, The Fall of Reach. Uh, but it's been a while since I've read the novel. But it's that the Spartans are the scalpel uh, and the precision required for certain things. And I think the Kraken, from its exterior, built to withstand a lot of damage on its exterior the scarab the same uh you know those things are they can be taken down by scorpions they can be taken down by phantoms but they maybe they require the precision of the spartan scalpel the proverbial scalpel that goes inside and kind of rips the heart out from the inside of the body right and a spartan touch yeah a spartan touch essence of spartan exactly yeah exactly all right, let's move on here. Uh, Battle of Sinaion. Speaking of Covenant architecture, this is a Covenant site, right? Uh, yes. And it's Covenant religious, very like temple-like. It it definitely um everything that every hallmark of the Covenant that you would feel visually, um is there in Sinaion. It definitely feels like we are back. Maybe you know it, the. The color schemes, the shapes, feels like, uh, you know, consistent with the inside of Covenant ships, general Covenant uh, aesthetic. Yeah, very round, very purple, very blue. Uh, there is fire, which I think calls to the fact that this is like a it's a holy site. It's 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 a little more ancient. There's like blue and purple fire. Yeah, no, that that um, I think that reminds me maybe of ancient Greece, ancient Rome. They used a um, I don't know. Fire was uh, there were certain fires that needed to be kept alive right. as part part of their religious rites. Um. I don't know how often they use fires to mark entrances of temples. That might be something I'm misremembering. So, uh, but it, that that's um, the fire element reminded me of that. Yeah, it's. I think a burning flame, a religious site. Those are those two go kind of hand in hand, and I think it it, it lends to the archaic nature of Sunion as this like holy city on St. Helios, uh, like very early covenant, but still advanced enough in technology that it would appear, you know, it's still, it's still the covenant. It's a covenant structure. Um, just kind of looming out there on the ocean, it almost built away from the mainland as a sign of like maybe respect or distaste for ancient St. Heli pre-covenant stuff. Like I kind of get this weird, maybe you guys can help, uh, Maybe you guys will kind of understand, but I mean, we know that the Sunshine Woman St. Haley War, the, leading to the creation of the Covenant, 
didn't really end favorably for the Singhali. Uh, in a lot of ways, they were diminished as the Proud Warriors that they were, and then uplifted to serve the Sanshayum exclusively. Uh, and so having a covenant structure built so far off into the sea, uh, away from mainland, and these ancient, precious, you know, very proud pre-covenant Singhali structures, I think, shows either an intense distaste for them from the covenant Sanshayum, like these old Sanshayum <laughs> point of views, or uh, maybe a high regard for them if they had been built by uh, high-ranking Sanghali within the covenant. I don't know, something I... That, that's the impression that I received. I think it's definitely interesting. It's like kind of maybe the closest thing we've had to any kind of like high-charity-esque area you know, like being like a covenant city is but definitely very futuristic. Um, it almost kind of reminded me of like, like Coruscant from Star Wars, almost. Hmm. So, that's, well, actually, that's oh, no, 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 not Coruscant, not Coruscant, um, Camino, the the clone uh, place. Oh yeah. And clones. It looked yeah, just that's... like Camino because it's the same kind of like platforms with the rounded edges, so it's easy to fall off. And it had, like, the, the raging sea underneath, like it was storming, like, it literally just... Like, I swear, I think Camino actually inspired that level, if I had to guess. It's a good point. That's, yeah, that's a good point. That's something that I hadn't thought of until you said it, but it's a very... I think it's definitely worth uh, making note of. Um, I wanted to note that the Waypoint article on Sunion, um, I think the implicate well not simply the implication but yeah um this sunion was built was is also pre-covenant the current structures on sunion may not be pre-covenant but the history of the city starts before the covenant so sunion itself was built um when the sankhali discovered the guardian and um so it was you know, the, the Sangheili lent themselves to the Covenant because they were worshipping the Forerunners before, right? Um, so when they found the Guardian, they recognized it as a Forerunner construct built Sunion around it. Oh. So Sunion is pre-Covenant. The purple and blue might not be pre-Covenant. They may have built over what was there before. That I don't think is specified there, but the location itself, its history as a city starts before the covenant starts when the uh Sangheli, uh, when a you know when the Sangheli discover the guardian that's located under there that's why it's built okay and we get a taste of that in the latter third of this mission right when they when they're on the undercity the so it is almost as though the first two thirds of the mission take place in this overcity the city that was built on top of the original pre-covenant Sunion. Again, I'm just speculating if the blue and purple was built on top of a uh, pre-covenant Sunion, or if that is the pre-covenant Sunion. So that that's just speculation on my part. But um, you know, uh, if you want to speculate with me, uh, feel <laughs> free to. Yeah, let's speculate together. Exactly. Uh, not much more to this mission. We mentioned earlier that the Arbiter has uh, mentions his reverence for the Chief, and it's kind of the only sign that we still get that the Arbiter uh, regards the Chief highly. That 
that relationship still exists, or at least that bondness still exists, mutual respect. Uh, right. We we get that. Uh, pretty intense ending. Osiris boards the Guardian just as it enters subspace, kind of leaving everybody behind. The UNSC that are there, the Swords of Singhelios that are there. Uh, and this is kind of it for the Covenant, right? Uh, we kind of get that this Covenant city is that this is the last stronghold, and the Arbiter is winning and alongside his mission to kind of clear out the Covenant from Sunion or at least uh, entice them into joining his ranks, uh, Osiris is doing this mission, is completing this mission to board a Guardian and follow it to Genesis in search of Blue Team. Uh, so I guess Halsey learns how to speak uh, speak Guardian. Exactly. Well, the, the well, she has the Constructor speak for her, but uh, right. or well, she's able to speak with the Constructor. Let's not, yeah, let's not diminish Halsey. She does play an important part, but a behind-the-scenes part more. Yeah. As she, as she's a scientist, so she always plays behind-the-scenes part. Yeah, she is very behind-the-scenes, but this is probably the most prevalent she's been in a, in a Halo campaign. It, it is, without a doubt, right? I mean, she's always been a, such a huge character in all the novels, a lot like Blue Team, a lot of the novels, a lot of the comics, a lot of the stories told. Outside of the games, but this is kind of the most we get of her, uh, and with the little tricklings in Halo Reach and Halo Four. Um, can I make a note of something that relates to the ending, or uh, that it also relates to the end of Battle of Sunion, but also the ending of the game, or would that be premature? No, but go ahead. But let's preface it by saying that again, this is a spoiler cast. This is the third one. Out of a series of what has become four, and probably even five, uh, regarding Halo 5. If you've made it this far, you should know. But we're going to... Allie's going to go ahead and touch on something from the next episode, so go ahead. Alright, um... Then, yeah, it was the end of the game. We see, uh... I mean, we know that Palmer's Pelican goes down. Locke uh calls out in dismay but then he has to board then he has to board the guardian anyway um when we see palmer once again she's her armor is badly damaged and she's visibly scarred um but halsey is only like it seems like it seems like she's she suffered relatively minor injuries could Palmer have protected Halsey during and taken the brunt of the crash when that happened? Because if Palmer, being a Spartan encased in armor, was that badly damaged, how do you think Halsey got away with it? Unless it was Palmer's part of the cockpit that was very specifically hit. That could be the case. Or maybe Palmer took the brunt of the blast to protect Halsey. I would imagine Which... Palmer takes the brunt of the blast for Halsey, no matter what their relationship is. Uh, just Halsey being as valuable as she is to the UNSC and to Oni, traitor or not, uh, I think it, yeah, it would be within her, within her, within her training to protect the civilian human, right? I definitely think she would do that, even if she hated Halsey. Um, if she, if the only thing she felt for Halsey was hate, she would put her duty above that. But I think if she did protect her, that might signal just 
I mean, she did it not out of love, you know, not out of any care for Halsey. But that might signal um, a change in their relationship just because she had to do that. Then Halsey might become appreciative and Palmer might become more forgiving. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but we don't know exactly what happened. We were not privy to those events and we may not, we may never be. But um, it's quite visible on Palmer, the damage that she took. But Halsey just seems to, seems to have gotten away with pretty light injuries, if any at all. Yeah, it's something I think, I think it's something, yeah, it's very noticeable. It's something I noticed, but I don't think I read that much into it. And I, I think you're right. Yeah, I think, it, like I said, I think it's within her training to, to protect civilian Halsey. And I think Halsey, she has a great deal of worth, uh, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it, it is very apparent that, I mean, she limps out of that tent and she's kind of holding her leg in a way. And she's almost like for a second there unrecognizable because of some scabbing on her face. But yeah, Halsey, for the most part, is besides some messed up hair in one piece. Yeah. And I, I think even if that was done purely out of beauty, that could change their relationship uh, going forward just because it was done. Yeah. And yeah. just touching on events that we'll talk about next episode, uh, if things really have shaken out the way that they seem they have, it could be that Palmer and Halsey will be stuck within the same vicinity for quite some time. Right. Could have a heart-to-heart -heart chat. Yeah. I'm sure we'll yeah. get that real soon. I can't wait. <laughs> um, a little love triangle between uh, Sanghaley, Halsey, and Commander Palmer. Well... That, it's this hot new fan fiction not, I'm writing. Check it out. That's pretty gross, but um... <laughs> uh, Daft, any final thoughts on Battle of Sunayan or this uh, series of uh, Sanghili campaign? Um, I definitely think it was kind of long overdue. I think people have been wondering what Sanghilios has looked like for uh, a while because of all the novels and stuff. So I'm glad I'm glad they made a couple levels out of it, and I thought the Battle of Sunayan was a cool level because we we saw the I guess the capital city, right? Is that the capital of Sanghelios? Uh, no, that the, I don't think Sanghelios has a capital, so to speak. Um, independent city city states that may ally or may go to war as needed. I okay. think that's yeah. Okay, well it was definitely cool seeing an elite city, and it was definitely a very kind of epic level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. One of the most action-packed, I think, in any Halo game. Yeah. I definitely, I remember, like, when I, the level first started, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the one they showed off at E3 for that demo. And I guess I was kind of surprised that the at E3, the level they showed was, like, kind of that late into the campaign, because usually they're not. But also, most of the elements from that E3 demo are not present in this mission at all. Yeah, I remember it did look a little different. Yeah, much different. Um, it, 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 I, th I think. I, I mean, there wasn't. It wasn't beat for beat. You know, there were there were some of the bigger elements from that demo in in this mission, but it wasn't. We weren't replaying that mission uh, that at that demo at any point. Um, if you watch at the end of the E three build, um, Warden Eternal confronts uh, Locke and Fireteam Osiris and says that. Um, Master Chief was permitted oh, right. uh, entrance. Uh, so I think, and then he's uh, basically the idea is that the Master Chief 
boarded the Guardian at Sunion to get to Genesis, which is clear, which is not at all what happens in um, the game. Uh, where Chief is actually at Sunion, I think the the demo leads us to right. believe that hey, the Chief's the Chief's been through here, and that's the first time we get a glimpse of uh, the Artemis system. Uh, yeah, it's the first time we got a glimpse of the Warden Eternal, but it's a line that he says much earlier in the campaign. Yeah, I think it, I think it was I think like most E3 demos and what I know about game development, E3 demos are their own completely separate build of a video game, and it borrows all of the assets and it borrows all of the systems, but it's it's a very small cross section, and I think it's just designed to uh, a get people to buy the game. <laughs> but uh, B get people excited for the game, and I think I think the E3 demo worked really well. But uh, yeah, a lot of that is missing, or is served to us in earlier or later missions within the game. Yeah, and I will say never, never um completely trust those E3 demos because a lot of times they're running on like high-powered PC dev kits to, like you said, to make the game look very um just good, you know, to market it better, which is fine. But oftentimes they'll they'll look and or play better than the final better than the final product, you know, like cough cough watchdogs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or more notably, look at look at the uh, rendition of new new Mombasa in the Halo Two demo, uh, E3 demo stage demo, uh, compared to what we get in the final game. It's not necessarily that anything was running particularly. Uh, better or worse uh, in comparison to the two builds but you know there's always going to be these artistic differences there's always going to be these mechanical differences system differences uh, i think destiny is a, a greater example of that um but uh, this is a halo podcast so yeah i i think that's yeah, worth we don't, noting. We don't mention that game the, here. it was <laughs> i will say that um in playing the battle of sunion it almost took i like i I recall um, the the demo that we got for E3, but it's, it doesn't. I don't feel like I'm replaying it at any point. The Battle of Sunion is definitely a finished product. Uh, the mission we get in the campaign compared to the E3 demo, uh, that was a very polished up demo. But there isn't. I don't know. I just I didn't get the impression like, oh man, I'm just replaying what I saw on E3, uh, because we definitely aren't. But I, there's so much more around what we saw at A3. It, it really feels like you're traversing this, this city, uh, and the city is rather large. Um, at the end of the Battle of Sunion E3 build, um, it also feeds into, I think, the idea that uh, the, the red herring that uh, the Master Chief has aligned himself against the UNSC or is at war with the UNSC, um, because it seems as if the Warden Eternal has given him permission to go through, but any UNSC personnel aren't allowed. And we had no knowledge about, um, we had no knowledge about Cortana's betrayal at this time, because that was the big twist, so they didn't give any of that away. So it seems the chief of his own volition was turning against the UNSC, aligning with the Forerunners. That was not the case. Um, the Warden Eternal fights, uh, the Master Chief as much as he fights... Um, if not, yeah, no, no, he, he fights the Master Chief as much as he fights, uh, Fireteam Osiris, so. Right. Um, yeah, so that, that also fed into, um, which a lot of people were really unhappy about, the red herrings that they were doing with the marketing campaign. 
I was glad that, you know, I, I thought they were, that was a smart thing that they did. If it wasn't a red herring, I'd be okay with it. But as a red herring, I'm okay with it as well. Um, so I thought that that was, that made sense uh, to keep up the fiction that the chief is going to be fighting. You know, you're, that, that that's who you're going to be fighting or trying to hunt down um, throughout the game is the chief and you're going to try to be reining him in or trying to stop him from doing something. Yeah. They laid out a different story through their red herrings, uh, most definitely through the marketing. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad that they did it. Oh, at first it was kind of like, it's a punch in the gut for sure. Of like, Oh man, I thought, you know, Oh, I thought this was, I, I think it's intentional, right? Because if you feel like you've gotten the entire story or at least the major beats months and months before the release of the game, well, I think that those beats are, completely diminished you've seen them already and i think we do get a little bit of that in halo 5 and uh i'll, I'll save that for a later date when we maybe criticize the game um, but just in talking about lore uh yeah we do get a lot of red herrings uh given to us we we were given a lot of red herrings given to us prior to the release of the game uh i think for the better yeah i th i think it was a good idea um I don't know if, what majority opinion is. I've just heard a lot of people think it was they they didn't like it at all. So, or they would have liked it maybe less. Uh, they would have liked it if it was done to a lesser degree. Yeah, yeah. I think this yeah. might be the most uh, man uh, red herring. Uh, uh, this might be the most red herring uh, that we've gotten prior to a game that I can think of. Uh, though I'm sure there's been other cases of it. A lot of that, I think, you know, I don't want to stir up an argument here, but I think a lot of that might be people just wanting to be right. I told you so, right? Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Well, that about does it for the St. Louis campaign. I'm going to uh, thank you both for being on. Daft, Ali, thank you very much. Thank, thank you for having me on. Yeah. And uh, we'll have to do this again soon. I'm not going to commit to a date. Uh, just because we've got so many different schedules going on. But next time, we will round out our discussion. We're going to wrap up Halo 5 Guardians. Uh, we'll dig into a lot of the big twists and spoilers there uh, involving more Blue Team and the final events taking place on Genesis, as well as the eventual purpose for the Guardian threat. Sound good? Yeah, looking forward to Yippee. it. All right, so if you would like to have your voice heard on the series, please leave any and all critical comments in the inbox of bastardtruth at gmail.com, wherein I will read your suggestions for this program and take note of any factual inconsistencies you may find in your listening. Remember, the domain here is all. Till next time, Spartan. Bye. See you.